Hello and welcome back to e-commerce marketing school. I'm Tony, your host, and today we are tackling the thing every unsuccessful store owner skips and what every successful business owner implements to thrive in e-commerce. And that is truly knowing your customer. With us today is Scott Cunningham, founder of Socialite and Merchant Mastery, who's on a mission to help independent e-commerce businesses compete and scale globally. He's one of the best in the business. And after this episode, you'll have a simple framework to not only understand your future customers, but you'll have actual steps you can take to market to them more effectively this year. Now, I do have to warn you, this conversation went a little longer than most episodes. It was actually a blast. But I promise by the end of this hour, you'll know exactly what to do next to reach those future customers. Let's dive in. You're listening to e-commerce marketing school presented by Privy. And a big thank you to the sponsor of our show, Suna. Before we get into today's episode, here's a quick word from the future, which as it turns out is right now, because right now you can get the photos and videos your business needs while sitting on your couch. No matter where you are, you can grow your e-com store with Suna. Suna is the world's first virtual content studio. In 24 hours, you'll have the solution to your e-commerce sales. No expensive photo or video shoot, just you making money with the images people need to inspire them to buy. Get started today at suna.co slash privy, or just click the link in the show notes. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tony, it's so awesome seeing you again. I know you and I were hanging out filming a masterclass at the start of the year. So yeah, it's been a minute, but really good to see you again. Yeah. Yeah. For those who, who haven't seen it, uh, Scott came to Privy Studios and he filmed, he filmed a whole masterclass on creating a high converting e-commerce campaign. And I mean, we're actually probably going to touch on some of the stuff that you taught in that course. It is such an incredible course. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say. It's going to be available on YouTube. Scott, I don't even know if I told you we're going to put that on YouTube so everybody can see it. That'll be this month. So incredible. No, I honestly, I think, uh, I was probably like, I did, we did a lot of trainings over the last couple of years. That's got to be one of my favorite ones. I think like the whole production that you, that you led was fantastic and glad to hear it's going to be on YouTube. Well, thanks for saying that. Okay. Well, today I want to touch on one of the things you touched on in that training, which is uh, in the eight years that I've been in e-commerce, which I know I'm such an e-commerce baby, eight years, I know it's so small, but there's, there's one thing that time and time again, that people skip, they skip it because they, they either don't understand the importance of it or they, it's just like too much work. Right. And so for those of you who, some of you already know what I'm talking about, obviously you heard the intro, but that's doing this thing that we call the customer avatar and the customer avatar basically is this process in which you define your perfect customer. You're not saying, oh, I'm advertising to baseball fans. You're not saying, oh, I'm advertising to people who like Star Wars, right? Like that's not, this is not enough. You're advertising to, this is the favorite one I've heard recently, the 85 year old Italian grandma who has all of her nieces and nephews and grandkids over for dinner on Christmas and cooks all the food for them. But the next morning she's up early with her five friends doing stitch and bitch where they talk about life and gossip and they're sewing or crocheting. That's my customer, like that granular. And so that was like the favorite one that I've heard. But basically people will not, they refuse to market to one person. And that's what I wanna talk about today. So Scott, I wanna hear from you why it's so important to target this specifically. You betcha. Yeah, I'll start by saying you're right, Tony. People skip over this stuff because it sounds like it it's either sounds boring, not important, or hard. Right? It is hard. And it's a long it could be a long process. It would take you it might take you, you know, the first draft of this may you may take two hours to go through it, maybe, you know. You just said one of my favorite things. First draft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? It doesn't need to be perfect on the first attempt right? But it actually is hard work. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not going to like beat around the bush on that. It is hard work to really get your avatar right. But to answer your question here, one of the reasons it's more important than it's ever been in this day and age is that we all know, hey, eight years in e-commerce is a long time. Anybody who's been in e-commerce that long will know this. The cost to acquire a customer is rising, 
right? So we, we can't just be kind of good at marketing like we could in 2017, 2018, put some ads out there and just like explode our growth overnight. It's not happening anymore, right? It's costing us more to reach our customers. There's more competition. So if you think about like advertising and the avatar, right? If you go online and you're going to go on Facebook and you're going to try and reach your customer, guess what? Every other brand that sells to your customer is also trying to reach them. So when your customer is like hanging out on Instagram, you know, they're just trying to like seize their friends' photos. They're not really in a shopping mindset, but they're inundated with all these ads. So there's just a sea of content in front of them. And truthfully, customers are getting smarter. They're only going to engage with messages that are hyper relevant to the undesirable state that they're in right now. So when you're talking about like the 85-year-old grandma, to get her attention, we got to like almost read her mind. We want to know that morning routine and we're going to talk about that morning routine. And when she sees that, it's not a question of whether or not that message is for her. She immediately knows that it is. And I will say, we'll clarify, I understand that that's not the best example because I don't know many 85-year-olds on Instagram, but you, you understand what I mean by the granularity of it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's thinking about what they think about when they get up in the morning. What are they doing? I, I want to give another example real quick. One that uh, that I got was a was a line of a, a Star Wars clothing because I am a big Star Wars fan. So am I. That was specifically. Oh, are you really? Oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got this. This is the second episode where I've showed him, but I've got my little Kanan Kanan Jarrus uh, lineup right here. Um, wow, his lightsaber's still going. Come on, calm down, dude. Um, but I have three kids and I love them dearly, but man, do they tire me out. And there was this Instagram ad that basically was the work from home joggers you need to carry the kids around all day, but still rocking your favorite brand. And it was star Wars and it was all the debt father characters in star Wars on this jogger. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's me. It hit home hit really home because I work from home joggers are just, that's all I wear. Right. And it, because they know this because I buy from Fabletics or I buy from wherever they knew me to a T and that speaks to me so much more than, Hey, star Wars merch for sale. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. T-shirts made from cotton. You're not just talking about, Hey, we exactly. have t-shirts in black and orange and red and blue and sizes, small, medium, large. And just talking about like the, we don't want to get hung up on features. We want to talk about the customer and show them that we know them right and that we can read their mind we understand how they spend their days and that resonates it's like nike you'll get people will get ads from nike that are like do you like shoes it's like yeah i like shoes everybody likes shoes right come on like don't don't be wrong nike's advertising is brilliant we'll get into that later but yeah the granularity is what we're talking about here it really makes a difference like i'm saying this lightly it's not it makes a slight difference it's gonna like make or break your, your campaign efforts. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, specifically, what does it actually mean to know your customer? So Scott, you're an expert in this area. One of the modules of the course is, I mean, more than one module is all about knowing your customer. So what does it actually mean to know your customer? How do we start this process? If we're, if we've, either we've seen it, we've tried it and we failed, or we haven't even heard of it, where do we go first? So the, the first thing that you need to do is like you said, build an avatar. So you need to document this perfect type of customer and you want to think about this customer and everybody within that customer segment, what do they all have in common? And you absolutely need to do this. I'll just tell you right now, as somebody who's worked in marketing and e-commerce for a very long time, you know, I'm the, I'm the founder of a couple of businesses, so I'm not spending my day-to-day -day running a lot of ads right now, but I have run a lot of ads for my businesses, for my, our clients over the years. And I would never create an ad without referencing a avatar worksheet. Right. So this is a tool and I'll share a resource. We'll get this out to everybody who's listening, but you actually want to document this stuff. And when you create your avatar for the first time, let me tell you, it's going to be speculative. If you don't know your customer inside and out, you don't know exactly who it is. Oftentimes, if you're a new e-commerce business, your avatar is you. So you created this product, you created this brand because you're like your perfect avatar. So it's sometimes we start off speculative where we think we know the answers of like who the avatar is, why they buy, what are their pain points? We think we know. So we're going to come up with a first version, but over time, we're going to morph this avatar into a better version, right? So 
we're going to do things like send out surveys. We're going to talk to customers. We're going to validate what people are responding to with our ads, what messaging, which audiences, right? So we get to validate these things and we learn new things as we start marketing. Yeah. And it could be as simple as demographics, right? So you may start, you may speculate and say, Hey, I think that everyone in the U S is my customer and I'm going to sell this, that, and the other. Well, Scott and I are filming from very different parts of the continent right now. Uh, Scott, how cold is it where you are? It's minus 32. You, you always know it's a Canadian because we give every temperature in minus or plus. So even if it was like 30 yeah. degrees plus, we'd <laughs> yeah, be like, oh, it's plus 30 out right now. <laughs> but it's minus 32. Yeah. Right. So you're n- minus 30 uh, Celsius. Yeah. I am uh, plus, I don't know, 70 Fahrenheit. So if you if you have a clothing line and you say that everyone in the US and Canada are my customers, very quickly you will realize based on who's buying your stuff that, oh my gosh, it's only California, Nevada, and Arizona that my stuff is selling because it's thin t-shirts, then you get to pivot again. And that's just a, an example that your first draft of this doesn't have to be perfect. You can learn and pivot. I was just going to chime in with the exact same thing. I was going to say the exact same thing. Usually where you start is not where you end up. So you'll be like, oh, I know who my perfect customer is. It's a lot like me. And then it's like, wait a minute, there's this whole other demographic who likes my product because it solves this pain point that I never considered. And they're gravitating to this more than who I thought would. And this happens all the time. Cool. Okay. So this, this worksheet, like he said, there's a specific resource a worksheet, a hard like copy, something that you can do, fill in and work on. We're going to give that resource to you guys. Check out the show notes for for any access to anything we promise in this episode. It'll be there. But I know you, Scott, you have this framework for knowing your customer, right? So I want to you to dive into a little bit of that because I know how impactful it is for so many of the e-commerce stores you work for. Let me put it this way. like What I really think the problem that we need to solve is... It's positioning. So how are we positioning our products to our market? And the truth is, for anybody that's listening, if you have an e-commerce store, there's a million different ways that you can position your products. You could talk about how it helps with hot weather. You could talk about how you can wear it everywhere. You could talk about like customer testimonials. There's a million and one different ways that you could talk about your products. So what we need to solve first before scaling to the moon is which version of our messaging is resonating with our audience the most and ultimately leading to the most sales, right? So before scaling, that's the first thing is it's like, let's validate positioning. That's where it starts. Yeah. So what do you, and I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a, of a store owner here. What do you say to people who are like, but Scott, like there's so many other great things about my business. There's so many other great things about my product that if I focus on this specific niche or this specific use case or people, nobody's going to know about all the other great uses for my product or nobody's going to know about all the, you know, I want to tell everything about my product, all the things. So the good news is there's a place for it all. And hey, we've had like a really successful year. I think we've helped generate over $150 million for the stores that we work with oh over this past gosh. year. Right. It's, it's been remarkably successful and massive. And I can I can credit everything to this positioning formula that I'm about to share with you. OK, let's dive in. Let's do <laughs> OK, it. so with this positioning formula, there's room for everything. Right. So, so there's room to talk about yourself and there's room to talk about your customer. But essentially, this is how it works. Right. And when I say positioning formula, it's kind of like your pitch. And we call this we have a name for it. It's your offer stack. So your offer stack is your pitch. That's how you're positioning your products to your customer is with this offer stack. So where does your offer stack live? It lives anywhere that you're presenting your products to your customer. So your offer stack lives on your homepage. It lives on your product page, on your collection pages. It lives in your email, in your SMS. It lives in your ads, of course. Social, like advertisements. Yeah. Social for sure. But it's all the same messaging. Like you're going to, it's consistent, right? Yeah. It's basically like, Hey, I'm going to present my products to my customers somewhere. I got to consider the five-part formula. Am I using all the ingredients? Right. And that gives you some, like a really good framework. I can't tell you, Tony, I can't tell you how many businesses I meet who are like, Scott, what a weight off my shoulders because people usually come up with some version of their positioning and their messaging. They put it on their website and for better or worse, they're stuck with that messaging. Nobody's sitting there being like, oh, I can't wait to fix my positioning, but they just don't know how to do it. 
right? So we're giving people a framework that's like, hey, start with this version, test it. If it resonates and it leads to sales and you're getting growth, hey, let's stick with that. If it's not working, we have a framework. We know how to introduce new versions of our messaging to see if that works better. I want to dive in deep to all these, but let's go over it so people can get a bird's eye view and then we'll kind of, we'll hone in. I'll go through it pretty quickly here, but just so you have an idea of the five-part formula. Let's pretend that we're on Facebook right now. Okay. Okay. So you're not shopping for Star Wars merch on Facebook. You're just kind of like right. hanging out. You're, you're, you're in some groups, wishing people happy birthday. And then all of a sudden you're inundated with all these ads, right? Yep. Now we're only going to pay attention to the ones that resonate with us. So this part, the first uh, ingredient of this formula has to do with the avatar, right? And this is the hook. It's a hook, right? So the first thing that we're trying to do with our offer stack is win the customer's attention. We're not trying to win a sale yet. We're just trying to say, hey, do you have this problem? Because we solve it. The hook would do that. Hey, do you only use work from home joggers and you have kids and you're tired, but you also like Star Wars? Is this you? Is this you? We're not selling anything. Is this you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what it does is it's, it's kind of like it stops you from scrolling, right? So you see that message and you're like, ho, like that resonated with you enough that you're sharing that story on a podcast episode. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So we're always trying to like get this really exaggerated reaction from our customer with our hook. You want that reaction where they show it to their spouse or their friend and they're like, holy cow, look what I just got targeted with. Like, how ridiculous is this? Yeah, <laughs> that would be the best reaction. Sharing it with your friends and family. I always picture them like, are they going to be slapping their knee, laughing, nodding their head aggressively? Like, I get this. Like, dang, I need that. I need that. That is so me. So that's the hook. The hook is the part where we read their mind. And you're, what you're doing is you're agitating their current state, right? Where they're just like doing their thing. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa what's going on with this message? They get me, right? And, and you're not going to achieve that by talking about yourself as a brand. You're not going to achieve that type of reaction by being like, we have new products, we have new features, we have new colors, we're so awesome. People are like, yeah, 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 I hear that all the time. But if you're talking to your customer and you're reading their mind and speaking to their undesirable state, speaking to their aspirational transformational state, then they're going to stop what they're doing and give you their attention. Okay, the hook, part one hook, totally makes sense. And that's really what I kind of wanted to talk about on this episode today was the hook. And we can get more into that. But just just for full context, what happens yeah. after we win their attention with the hook is they're kind of like rattled. And they're like, what is this? Like, what is this? Why do, why do they know me so well? So like with the hook serves as a qualifier that the message is for them. It also agitates their current state. And if we can achieve that, then what happens is they turn into a detective. That Your customer becomes a detective. I totally align with that. As a consumer, I mean, I totally align with that. Yeah, I do too. I know because like I've studied my own shopping habits and we all do this. This is like, this is beautiful because we know that this is what every customer does. Once you win their attention, they interrogate you. They become a detective and they interrogate you. They're like, is this a legit company? What, what all the questions come up, right? Yeah, and specifically four lines of questioning. I'm gonna give an example here. There is a member, like we have two businesses, right? We have Socialite. It's a done for you agency. We only work with Shopify stores, usually doing about like over a million a year. And then we have Merchant Mastery. It's like the top selling course on, uh, one of the top selling courses on Thinkific, where we help train early stage e-commerce stores to get their campaigns off the ground. Well, this is one of our members in Merchant Mastery who I'd been working with on like a mentorship level. And she invented this product that is, it solves eczema. So her son had eczema Oh, and she was a chemist. She's like really, really qualified background. And she like invented wow. this product to solve her son's eczema. Oh my goodness. And, but the, the funny thing is when she created her first ads, she was not speaking to the parent that has a child with eczema. Yeah, sure. She was speaking to the adult with eczema and she just talked a lot about the product. Here's what it's made of. Here's how you apply it. Here's what it solves right? Wasn't resonating. So she was running ads at a loss, big time, right? And then we got to work, we got to work on the avatar. And the first thing I was thinking was, wait, we got to, we got to talk to the parent. That's like, you want to start with the avatar, you know, the best where you have a track record at least. So she hadn't made a, many sales, but at least she knew that sh she was the initial avatar. So I'm like, let's start there. And I just said, forget about like, let's not, let's not complicate this. Just talk to me, talk to me. How do you spend your average day having a child with eczema? And she was like, well, Scott, I feel like I'm mastering black belt 
karate because I'm always blocking my son from scratching himself. So I'm like, oh, I love that. Like, so, so perfect. Right there, that's a hook. Yeah, are you mastering black belt by protecting your son from the elements? Whatever, maybe. Just nailed it. That's, I think that's exactly yeah. what we said. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I have not seen this ad. Right? <laughs> but it's so easy to create once we know. That's why with the avatar, it's not, it's not a guessing game. It's like, let's just talk about the average day and we're going to create a hook later. We don't actually create the hooks until we create the avatar. And with this example, we were like, do you ever feel like you're mastering black belt blocking your son's eczema all day? And it was like a creative image of like one of those like karate wood block things where you're like chopping the wood. Yeah. <laughs> we, we launched that ad. I, I'll talk about the other ingredients, but that ad, when she first launched it, hit like a four return on ad spend. Wow. From negative to 4X. So went from like running ads at a loss. Yeah. Wow. So let's use that as an example as I go through the formula, right? So with the hook, it's kind of like, do you ever feel like you're mastering black belt blocking your kid's eczema? At this point, they kind of know what you sell, but they don't really know. Like, do you sell a cream? Do you sell a referral to a doctor? Do you sell like, what is it? Yeah, true. But they know that you can help them get to this aspirational state. So the first thing that happens is they're like, you got my attention, Scott. I totally feel like, I totally feel like I'm mastering black belt every day. You just read my mind. Nobody else would know that about me, but you company. Then they turn into a detective and they interrogate you. And the first thing that they would ask is like, okay, how, how do you solve this? So this line of questioning, we answer in our offer stack with function attributes. And these are kind of like the features and the benefits. We say we made this proprietary cream. It's made from these ingredients. You apply it once a day. Here's how it works. So the how, that's the cream. Yeah. How? How does this cream make my life better? How does it solve the thing that I'm wishing to change? And then they're like, okay, got my attention. I get how it works. Who is selling this? Who's the company? And this one we answer with brand attributes. Just to stop really quick. I know I'm like stopping you a lot. When you say brand attributes and these different attributes, these are like elements of the ad. These are like elements of the offer stack are these different attributes. So it's going to be like a mix of all of these. It's like making an omelet. Awesome. Okay. It's totally like that. It's like a little bit of onion, okay. a little bit of pepper, a little bit of tomato with this so one. If, if your ad is your omelet, then these different types of attributes are all going to be thrown in there somewhere, whether it's in the title or like the image of the mom caring for her son. That's all these different things put together. I'm glad you stopped me. Because yes, some people okay, may not okay. know. You may not know that if you if you don't spend all day with offer stacks like I do. So that's a great question, right? That's a great question. But that's exactly it. It's like, right, hey, this time we're going to try and use this ingredient in the header, this ingredient in the creative, this ingredient at the start of the body copy, right? So you're right. It's just like it's mixing and matching the ingredients and testing them in different places. So like where one ad, the image, we'll say, might be the cream. That might be the how. The image on a different ad might be the who, like it's the mom caring for the son and you just switch it up. Totally. Awesome. It's like I've taken your course before. It's this weird thing. <laughs> we call this kind of like offer harmonics, not to get too deep in some like philosophical things here, but it's like, it's finding the harmony in presenting these ingredients in the right way to the right avatar at the right time. Perfect. So with recapping where we're at, it's kind of like we got the hook and they're like, you got my attention. Okay, I get how it works, but who's the company? And that's the brand attribute. And brand attribute is a lot of it is the customer seeing themselves in your narrative. So they want to align with your values, connect with your personality, believe in your vision and your mission. So a lot of the times it's like, or, or believe it in the causes you support. So it could be like, hey, we only use sustainable ingredients in our creams or a donation of every, or proceeds go to this organization with every sale. Or it's just uh, like a founder story where it's like, hey, this was the problem. And, and they see themselves in the narrative, right? I was in your shoes. I had this two-year-old that got eczema every day or whatever. Love founder stories for brand, right? Because it's like, hey, I, exactly. I resonate with you. I had this issue. And not only that, I was on a mission now to solve this. And I climbed the highest mountain in the world and swam the deepest oceans to solve this. And I got bitten by sharks and it was, I almost didn't make it. And it was so hard and it was challenging, but guess what? I solved it for you. And you're going to solve it too. Yeah. I think we, we, as people hear what you just said, they're thinking of brands that they've seen that work really well with. So I think, yeah, absolutely. 
it builds a lot of trust in the brand. And you want to you want to buy from like product category authorities who have like credibility. Like the queen uh, who founded Spanx. That's like her bread and butter was I, that was it, like right? And I, I won't even go too much into it. Of course, you know how a lot of people know how brilliant that was, but that was it. She needed them, she made them, she sold them, boom. Perfect example. And anyone listening, believe me, if, if there's one takeaway you can implement, include a founder story in your marketing, like on your homepage, on your product page, in your ads. They perform really well. Cool, okay. Okay, so the, the five-part formula, we got two more to go, right? So it's the hook, you got my attention, function, I get how it works, brand, love this company, and I trust them. Then the third one is, is a little bit more like, but is it legitimate? With brand, it's more like, I like them. I like the company, but then it's like, is it legitimate? Is it some like 16-year-old drop shipper that's like just going to not give me any customer support and I'm not going to hear from him ever again? Or is it like this mom that's a nurse of two kids that like it really cares about her business, right? Yeah. Is it some high school student sitting in a basement? Is this like a, <laughs> is this like a hoax? So to address this line of questioning, it's influence attributes. And this is like third-party endorsements. Okay. So like uh, reviews and things like that. Review would be my favorite one customer reviews, testimonials, user-generated content. But it's also like, with the example I'm thinking of, she's a certified chemist. She has like, so it's like certifications, trainings, awards. You did that in like subliminally, you said that earlier and it totally was like this, this whole time we were talking about her, I was like, well, it's obviously going to be good. She's a chemist. I dropped the influence attribute. Like that whole, this whole time I've been thinking about that. Yeah, you did. I didn't even notice I was doing you're, it, but you're dropping it live on me right now. <laughs> I'm full offer stacking you right now. You're going to sell you some. It works. You guys just saw it. You saw it in the wild. It works. <laughs> but you're right. Like you immediately trusted this brand and where it was going because of the chemist angle, right? Exactly. So it's, it's not just reviews and testimonials. It's things like awards, where I've been featured, it's social proof, publications I've been featured in, and those kinds of things. No surprise there. Uh, customer reviews are huge, obviously. They work really well when people are in like the debating to buy process. Like when they're like, okay, this sounds like I want to buy, but like... Oh, Christmas shopping. We all did that. We were like, okay, I, I have this item on Amazon, whether it's Amazon or e-commerce. Sorry, I had to go on Amazon because I'm a late shopper. Um, Amazon for some of my purchases. Okay, I like this item. I'm going to scroll down to the products like this and make sure that this has the most five-star reviews, right? Like, I mean, I got to make sure that this is the best of all my options. Absolutely. You're literally outlining every step of my process, Scott, <laughs> right now. And I think you and I are a lot alike in that. Like, I feel like we're, we're pretty similar. We like Star Wars. We like e-com. Like, you know, we had a lot of fun when we were filming the masterclass, but I'm the same way. I like, I go in such a deep rabbit hole on reading reviews because you're buying online. Like you can't touch it, feel it, taste it, experience it, right? So the influence, it's definitely lower down in the decision-making process, but you want to provide as much information as you can uh, in terms of other people's endorsements of you, right? Influence is a lot, it's like third-party endorsements. And then the whole purpose of this offer stack is that we're stacking up so much perceived value that it becomes a no-brainer for people to buy where they're like, oh, you got my attention. I get how it works. Love this company. Look what everybody's saying. So the last question is the price. The price, of course. Does my perceived value outweigh the price? It's not just, do I have this amount in my bank account? It's now, did what I was just promised, is this a good deal? Like, is it worth it? Is the value higher than the cost? Yeah. Right. So that's what we're trying to do with with the offer stack is make the perceived value just seem like a no brainer every time. And perceived, not to confuse everyone listening, perceived is still it's still real. Like you you have to fulfill on it. But for them, they don't have it in their hands. So it's just perceived. So it's not like we're trying to trick them. But is the perceived value more than the cost? I swear, Tony, we're one person. You and I. <laughs> awesome. Uh, hey, I'll take that as a compliment. That's exactly what I say all the time is like, we're never, we never want to manipulate with our marketing. So we only want to include ingredients that are true to us, honest, genuine, right? Because when people receive the product, we have to meet the expectation. Yeah. And then your customer reviews will go down, your credibility will go down and you won't have as much to pull from. Everything goes, yeah. So I hope it goes without saying, but I, I'm so glad you brought it up. I hope it goes without saying we need good products that people actually like. And we're not, we're not going to do like, we don't want our marketing to be better than our product. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. We're not trying to lie about the quality and no. beef it up to sell it. If you got, don't have it to sell. Yeah. Hopefully people understand that. You're going to get some angry, like angry reviews, right? Oh dude, I I'll tell you right now. I bought this, um, it's back here. This like little microphone stand 
from newer. It was an Amazon product and it was perfect. The marketing was great. Great market. It was exactly what I needed. And it came and it was nothing what I needed. Like literally the marketing said, this works on three-eighths to five-eighths screw hole, three-eighths inch, five-eighths inch screw holes. And I was like, great, I have a three-eighths inch uh, microphone screw. It came in the mail, didn't even come with it. And I left a review and I said, hey, you know, it's a good product, but it's not what I ordered. They reached out to me. They, I ended up finding out it was a faulty product. They sent me a new one. It was perfect. So it was a faulty product issue, but people are going to do it. And then you have to have like the customer service to back it up. If you know, in, in the case of the example you just gave, like if the product's not meeting the expectation. Yeah. And they did. And it was fine. Like I got my product. I'm good. But it's also harder to offer that when you're a small business owner too. So there's... It's everywhere, but you can't just don't get yourself in the hole about lying about your products. I think. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly this formula that I'm sharing right now, it's powerful, but with, with great power comes great, great responsibility. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, we, this, it honestly is powerful. We don't want to manipulate buyers, but we, we want to be really authentic in how we present our offer stack. Yeah. And with this last ingredient, like I said, it's about price. We call this one transactional attribute. So it's, it's justifying the price point. We were stacking so much value before this point, but we're still with the transactional attribute. We want to justify the price point. So this is where so I was just going to say, can transactional attributes be more than just the price though? Like um, anything regarding the value, like it's a, whether it's a discount, like 20% off this, or is it just like flat out, you say the price? No, it's exactly where you were going, kind of where you were going to really tip the scale in your favor with transactional attribute, we want to include some type of offer. So an offer isn't always a discount. A discount is a type of offer. An offer is an ask. It's an ask, right? So it, it could be things like discount. So it could be like one of my favorite uh, things with privies, like welcome signup offer, right? So it could be like a welcome signup offer. It could be like a gift with purchase offer, or it could be something like a tiered bundle, a threshold reward, like free shipping over $100, $50. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. It could be offer to lower risk. So no discount, but it's 30 day free exchanges or money back guarantee. I mean, we just went through the holidays, right? So I, I literally just saw one that, uh, so my family shops from Fabletics. It's not necessarily a small business, but it's a business. It's, it's an online business. And my family, I've, I've, I'm a triplet and I have three brothers and sisters and they all wear Fabletics. And so I got an email saying, right before the holidays saying, we'll get it to you by Christmas and it's free expedited shipping if you spend more than $60. And I'm like, well, I'm going to spend $70 on three items. Yes. And I didn't have gifts for them because I'm a schmuck. And so I did it and it worked perfectly. It was all transactional because I already knew the value. Like they they marketed that to me, a current customer, because they didn't, they didn't have to convince me of the brand. They didn't have to convince me of the, um, the, all of the first three that you did because I'm a customer. So they just said, it's yours by Christmas, free expedited shipping, spend $70. Boom. I purchased so fast. We are aligned. We are aligned, Tony, because that's actually one of my favorite offers. I talk a lot about offers all day long. It's the free expedited shipping when you reach a certain threshold offer around Christmas. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love that offer. Because it's, I guess, spend $100 and we'll do expedited shipping. Make sure you get it by Christmas Eve. I love that offer. Yeah, and you guys, you can do this. E-commerce stores can do this. You're going to have Valentine's Day coming up, I mean, sooner than you think. And dads, well, husbands or partners who need to shop for Valentine's Day, I don't include women because the women in my life are all on top of it. They get their gifts yeah. a month ahead. <laughs> but the men in my life are not, right? So they, uh, you're going to, you may, it may be useful for you for Valentine's Day. So keep that in mind. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, like any kind of holiday that's coming up. And... um the other one too is like another, just the last one for transactional is price justification. There's a lot of direct to consumer companies that allow you to save by buying direct from the brand instead of like at a retail location. Like for example, one of my favorite examples is like Thursday boot company. Pretty sure their boots are always $190, but right on every product page, it's like honest pricing. And you click on that and it tells you, Hey, these boots sell for 190, but they're comparable at 500 if you were to buy from a competitor. Like the quality is comparable at 500 if you buy from a retail location. And the reason we're able to keep it at 190 is operational efficiency, this reason, that reason, that reason. And it lasts for a long time. And you're like, okay. So they never discount, but the perceived value just increased a lot. Wow, okay. Wow, that's cool. I like that one a lot. Okay, so we've got five. Let's just 
list off the five before we really dive deep on the first one. And I just want to say really quickly, this is a longer format episode than we normally do, but I'm loving every second of it. I'm learning so much. Uh, so we're just going to keep rolling. But I really want to focus on one of these today. Um, so let's let's go over the five before we continue. We'll just do a quick recap on it and then we'll jump into hooks. So the first thing is the hook where we want to win the customer's attention, right? We're speaking to a pain point or a transformational state. It serves as a qualifier. They're rattled. And then they go, and these aren't necessarily in exact order, but the order in which it may go is like, okay, you got my attention. How does it work? We answer that with functional attributes, features and benefits. How does the product make my life better? And then they're like, okay, that makes sense. Who is selling it? We answer this with brand attributes, right? So these are things like the customer seeing themselves in their narrative, aligning with your personality and your values, believing in your mission and your cause. And then they're like, okay, cool. I really like that company. Is it legitimate? So we answer this with influence attributes. These are third-party endorsements, like testimonials, reviews, certifications, awards, publications. And then they're like, okay, wow, that's legitimate. The last question is, does the price make sense based on everything I know? And we include offers there with transactional, right? So a good way to remember it is a hook and the four attributes. And the four attributes, we have an acronym, T-B-I-F. Thank Buddha, it's Friday. That's transactional brand influence and function. Perfect. Transactional brand influence and function, T-B-I-F, yeah. with a hook at the beginning. Amazing. Okay. Wow, we could have gone so much deeper on any one of those. Uh, but today we're going to focus on one. So let's dive into the hook. Let's just hit it for a little bit. Obviously, we covered it a little bit, but the hook is something that you're not only going to see in this offer stacking. You're not only going to see in online fa advertisements, Facebook ads, Google ads. The hook is every part of storytelling. Because now, obviously, in 2023, we are very aware that the way to people's hearts and their their minds is not through selling, it's through storytelling. I think that's very apparent now. We've all learned this with the rise of TikTok and Reels and YouTube Shorts. It's all about storytelling and the hook. The first three seconds of your video, the first page of your book, everything, everything is the hook. So why is it? I mean, we know why. But why is it so, so important in, in this regard? Why is it different than the other mediums? I'm going to give you an example. This is fresh. This is a fresh example. This is not an ad that I created. It is an ad that I saw on Facebook the other day, right? So it's a company selling supplements. So their ad could have said, buy supplements. You're going to get healthier. You're going to lose weight. You're going to be in good shape. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty general. Like anybody could say that. That's like 1920s Coca-Cola vibe. Yeah. And I could say that selling running shoes selling gym passes, <laughs> selling like, like anything. So it's pretty broad. But this ad that I saw was a company selling supplements and they had a, a hook right in the creative that said, say goodbye to your dad bod. Oh, straight to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, so what happens when you see that hook? If you have a dad bod, I've been uh, hitting the gym lots, working with a trainer. So I know what it's like. I have, a, I have a young daughter too. I know what it's like to get a dad bod and get back in shape and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, same. Like I said, three kids. I'm with you right there. <laughs> I'm wearing baggy clothing. There's no secret here. Yeah. And you see that message. You see that message like, say goodbye to your dad bod. Immediately, if you have a dad bod, you're going to kind of be like, even if you're not like slapping your knee and sharing that with everyone, you're going to be like, hmm, what's going on here? Right? I have a dad bod. What's going on here? Right? So what they're doing is they're, they're using the hook as a qualifier for anybody who has a dad bod to stop scrolling and give them their attention. It's really like reading the customer's mind. What is the undesirable state that they're in right now? And how is our product a vehicle to get them to the transformation? Yeah, we really want to start with just knowing that undesirable state. I don't know if this is like going to reroute us a little bit or derail us, but where can, how do people get from, okay, I'm doing my first ad or avatar, it's kind of like me, and I'm gonna wing it, I'm gonna speculate, because this is what you should do for your first one. Wing, get as close as you can. How do they get from that to speaking straight to the heart of somebody? Because something's gotta happen between those two times, and it can't. It has to be more than just like looking up analytics of people who buy from your store, if you even collect that, you know what I mean? So how do you get to a place where you have all the info for that hook? Okay, so to get the information, like I said, it starts off speculative right? This is usually the process. So like I said, we have two businesses, right? One, we're already working with brands who are established. They have things working for them. The second side of the business, Merchant Mastery, we're awfully starting with people at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey. 
So when we're working with people at like Merchant Mastery, early stage Shopify stores, they don't really always know the avatar inside and out. So a more established store might have that data somewhere. But when you're just getting started, you start off speculative. And in addition to that, what you'll want to do is look at your own customer reviews and look for those like hyper-engaged responses. And if you don't have those, look at the closest competitor, somebody who sells a similar product to you, and just look for those hyper-engaged responses. Not the people who are like, awesome, loved it. You want the people who are like, wow. Yeah, thanks. My dad loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you would, you would look for these reviews too, right, Tony? Like when you're making a purchase? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Like when I, when I found this, I needed purchases that were from people with podcasting setups. Like that's what I needed to see. Yeah. And you wanted to hear a guy who debated it as much as you've been debating it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So th absolutely. this is the kind of review you're looking for where someone's like, hey, I, I searched every option. I, I debated these two things and I landed on this one for this reason. Love it. So if, if your product also delivers on that with your value proposition, you can just like look for what people are pouring their hearts out about. Like, what do they love? What do they hate? And you can use those as insights when you're creating your avatar. So my favorite way when we're getting started is like, use yourself as the avatar. Look at your own reviews. If you don't have your own reviews, look at a close competitor's reviews. And no one listening is going to love me for this one. But this is my favorite thing, which I have done for my own businesses. And I advise people to do it all the time. Get on the phone and call your abandoned cart, your, your abandoned checkout customers. Whoa. If you collect their phone number, but yeah. Yeah. If you collect their phone number. Hopefully you do. Right. And a lot of, a lot of people do. A lot of people do in the checkout process. I know I said abandoned cart. It's actually usually a, Oh, that's true. That's true. It's usually abandoned the abandoned checkout. checkout. Yeah. 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 I, a little correction there. Abandoned checkout people. No, it's okay. It's okay. And there's a, there's a really well-known brand native. They sell sunscreen. Oh yeah. I know native. Yeah. 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 Look it up. Look at the story of uh, Native, the founder. This is, this is what he was doing. He was getting on the phone, abandoned checkouts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good friends with the founder at Recart too, Soma Toth. And, and Soma... They just called... What were the customers like? Were they like, wait, is this actually you? So, so this is the thing. This, this is why I said a lot of people listening right now may, or may not love me about this because it sounds terrifying. Oh, yeah. It doesn't sound... I don't want to do that. It, and it sounds like you're being intrusive, right? Yeah. But... I guarantee you what happens usually like, so one, you're probably going to actually convert more sales. Cause it's, it's, it's like shows how much you care about your customer. The founder is calling the customer, but two, you're just going to learn so much more about why people didn't buy, right? There's always like a little voice in the customer's mind, convincing them to buy or not to buy. So we want to know what the little voice was telling them, why they abandoned the sales process, right? So what usually happens is they'll be like, and I, I could tell you like 80% of the calls will be like this. Who's this? Tony? Privy? Founder? Oh, wow. Yeah, what's going on? It's not a very threatening, it's not like what? As the founder and you're making these phone calls, you're not going to be like, why didn't you buy? I want you to buy. It's not, a, it's not a pushy conversation. It's a kind, gentle. Yeah, and that's just to add in here, getting their sale is not your goal. That's why it shouldn't be pushy, right? Because what you want from that conversation is to, you want to know why they didn't buy so that you could just fix it for other, for, for future ones, but you might get their sale after that call. That's not, but, but that is a, a cherry on top. That is not the ice cream. Totally. That's the intent. We want to go in that call with only one objective. It's to understand how you could better inform the customer when they're making a purchase. And like I said, yeah, the cherry on top, it's going to lead to probably more sales because people are like, this was so cool. But I just went through this exercise. I literally coached an entrepreneur to do this. And she was terrified to get on the phone. And I'm like, listen, you got to do this because you have like a really high abandoned cart rate. We got to get on the phone. And she was like, Scott, I can't believe I took your advice and did this. I'm so proud of myself. But I learned, like I literally learned why they weren't buying, what they didn't know, right? So that she's just getting like infinitely valuable insights. Like the customer avatar stuff, if you can master this, it's going to make all of your marketing efforts easier and more profitable because they're going to work better, right? So like getting on a phone with a few customers, is that really that scary when the benefit is so great? Yeah, that's true. I mean, if it means that when you have your ads or when you're ready to make a social media post or an advertisement, that you have these one-liners, these images, and these transactional attributes that you could just plug and play like that. That is a dream scenario to most store owners that they think will never happen. They'll never get to that point. So is it, is it really that much work? You work with 
hundreds of stores that have all of those attributes ready to go. Like it's a real thing that people do. So it's calling people such a. Yeah, I honestly, if I was to start an e-commerce business tomorrow, like I, I we, we, you know, we have a lot of like invested interest in a lot of e-commerce brands. But if I was starting a brand new one tomorrow, this, I guarantee you that this is what I would do. I would be excited. I would be sitting there with my phone waiting for an abandoned checkout to come through because <laughs> it's not something you do forever. Like, it's not like, oh, great. Now I got to phone every customer for the next three years. That's my, that's my job as a founder. Right. It's like, it's like th two months, right? Yeah. Three months. Okay. So I want to, I want to ask too, I want to like pivot into, we have this, um, this feedback, whether you're getting it from your competitors, customer reviews, whether you're getting it from abandoned cart checkouts that you call, whether you're getting it from wherever you're learning more about your avatar, right? So we started off with a very speculative view. Now you've done some research and I, there's more to do after this, I'm sure. But from this state, how can this feedback turn into a good hook? Like, what do we do with it? What you're trying to like figure out with your customer is you're trying to figure out what their undesirable state is and what their aspirational state is, right? So where they are that they don't want to be in and where they want to be. Exactly, with a before and after state the before and after state, right? And you're just a vehicle to get them from misery to like happiness. <laughs> so before you're thinking about things like, okay, before they have my product, what were they using as an alternative? And why did that suck? Like, what was the situation like using an alternative product? And then you're thinking, okay, they were using that, that alternative. How did that make them feel? Probably didn't make them feel too good, right? So it's like, oh yeah, before they were using this alternative, they could never get the right result made them feel like discouraged, made them feel deflated. And then how does that feeling impact their average day? Well, now they're not doing the thing that they love anymore. And how does that impact their, their status, right? So like how do other people view them? It's like, oh, whatever happened to that Tony guy? Like he used to be loving podcasts. Now he doesn't podcast anymore. Now he has a dad bod. He's got a, <laughs> he's like this dad bod, like washed up. He used to be like this podcast guy, right? Even using your podcast gear as an example. Before you bought that device, what were you using as an alternative and why did it suck? I'm well, let's go through it. I was using a arm stand, so like a, a boom stand. And the guest that I had in the studio, it was covering their face. And I, I couldn't get a camera around to get their face without the camera, just the mic just doing it. And that was the problem. So you have this alternative product that is not allowing you to see the speaker, right? And the image showed the microphone on this stand with a full clear face. And I don't even know if they meant to do it, but it was that image where I was like, all right, that's a perfect size. I need that one. Okay. And this is going to be a perfect example then, because you're like, your current situation is like, I have this alternative product and you know, it's covering the, the podcast guest face, which is making it not a good end result. Like it's not as good as it could be. So the next step down, that was the have this tool that I'm, I'm going through right now. It's actually like five categories of before and after. And it gets deeper with the motive as we get lower down the five, right? So the first was like, what do you have as an alternative? And what is the resulting situation? Well, I was using this product and it covered the, the guest's face, which made me know that it's not a polish. I could be doing so much better. The step down from that is how did that make you feel? Yeah. Okay. So it made me feel like my guest was not appreciated as a guest because their face was covered. And two, it made me feel like the listener or the viewer was not going to be able to get their message fully or experience them fully enough to really be able to engage with the, the content. Yeah. So you're, you're feeling like kind of like incomplete, not reaching your potential, embarrassed for the guest. Yeah. And just like nobody wants to see their face covered. And then how does that feeling impact your average day? with this, like every time you're filming, you just got this like- Literally like, oh, is this, is this a waste? Like, do we have to refilm this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these thoughts that come to mind, do I have to refilm this? Are they gonna like bring this up later? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or is it like more time setting up the studio, playing with the device? Like, it's just like extra time, extra negative thoughts in your mind, extra, like all this stuff that's happening on your day to day. It was all of that. It literally was all of that too, yeah. Hit the nail right on the head. Uh, extra equipment in the way. I got to move my table around. I, I just want something smaller for this setup. And then we go further. We're talking about status now. And this is how like your peers perceive you. So it's either, it's like you're either you're positive or negative standing in comparison to your peers. So now it's like, oh, great. What are all these other podcast hosts going to think of me? Yeah. Like, God, that's what a newbie like that. Mike, they, they shouldn't have that mic covering their face. Like, what is he doing? Like, he knows better than that. Come on, man. Absolutely goes through my mind. 
right? And, and now your status is like newbie podcast guy. Yeah, I don't want to be on his show because he's going to cover my face. Yeah. And the last one down is it's the good versus evil. So like every product in the world helps a customer overcome some type of evil. And one way of thinking about it is like, what's the worst case scenario if I never fix this problem, right? So if I never fix that problem, what's going to happen? It's going to be like, it's just going to be continual amateur production. Nobody's ever going to take it seriously. It's going to destroy my confidence in my career. I'm going to change careers. <laughs> like Maybe I have a really like notable guest and they can't use this footage and I like fail them or come up short on a promise or what. Yeah. And then I'm like living on the street and blah, blah, blah. Just a down, just a downward spiral. But that's even better. I had a, I had a prominent guest who's not even going to share my stuff. So it's like the good in the world that you're helping overcome is you're trying to like elevate people's message and get it to more people. But the evil that is happening right now is we're not going to be able to like get that message out in the world because it's so amateur that nobody's sharing it. And I leave my career, you know, you could just keep spiraling down on the good versus evil. But if you think about that, like this is like a really great way to get hooks because it's like, well, we could talk about what he has. We could talk about his feeling. We could talk about how terrible his average day is. We could talk about how terrible his status is. We literally just came up with like 15 different line items that you can throw into an ad just now. Wow. I wish I gave you a real product I sell. Dang it, Scott. We didn't even Ugh, plan this, but that was a perfect example to walk through. Cause it's just like, yeah, this was like real uh, eureka moment as we're going through it where it's like, oh, okay. We could use hooks to talk about all of these things. And what's going to resonate more? Is it going to be like, hey, we know you're using this other product that gets in their face or, hey, you're never going to reach your potential as a professional podcaster if you keep doing that. As we go deeper down, we're, we're trying to like tap into those deeper motives. And the, I think the, something to point out here that I, I've heard you say before is that, okay, great. You found one. You found the perfect one. That is the perfect one for the specific segment of your audience that you're focusing on right now. And to address that fear from earlier of like, oh, I have so many other things that my product can do to help my customer. Great. Use those things for a different segment of a different segment of your audience that's struggling with a different thing. So maybe one segment is struggling with the fact that they had a boom arm that was in the way, but the other segment is like, I don't have enough room. I just need something small. That's it. And it's very different pain points. Nailed it. Nailed it. Dang, I'm on a roll, Scott. I feel good. I feel good today. You, yeah, you nailed it. I'm glad you brought that out because it's you, you're so right. It's like one person buys for one reason, another avatar buys for another. It's never the same reason with these different avatars. You're not picking one reason and then sticking with it for all your messaging and ads. Exactly. And we usually like start with the avatar we know the best, like the low-hanging fruit, wherever we have a track record with, we'll start there. And once we get that avatar like producing results consistently, then we will put a little bit of like advertising budget to some R&D efforts, like research and development, go test some new avatars, some new markets with like five, 10% of our budget. And that's how companies like Nike, I know I've said that before just because they're a behemoth, they probably have a, a thousand different segments, right? And they've just grown over time. And that's obviously the goal you want, like five or 10, that'd be amazing. It's like a good example is like if you're selling like home decor, if you're selling home decor to a college student versus an empty nester, way different motivation, like different motives for buying, right? I don't know. They might they might both try and buy a pool table and fit it in their dorm room. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> for different reasons? Yeah, different reasons. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. What a trip. That before and after grid that we just walked through, that's a really good tool. So if anyone's listening, that's like what you want to do is lay out like the five categories. It's have, what did I have before? How did that make me feel? How did that impact my average day? How did that impact my status? And what is the good versus evil if I never solve this thing? And you have this as like a, a physical, just before we move on, you have this for them. We're going to link it in the show notes for them. Absolutely. Let's absolutely provide it. And also you could like put a link to the masterclass that you and I taught together where we went a lot deeper into this too. I will. I actually will. Yeah, I will do that. And um, like, but on the flip side, it's the after state where it's like, okay, so I bought this product. It's transformed me. Now what do I have, right? Now I have this amazing product. It's all this thing. Make me happy. How does it make me feel? Happy, confident. What is my average day like? I'm crushing it. I'm producing great things everything's going so well. What is my status? I'm like a famous podcasting guy. And what is the good versus evil? My message has made a change in people's lives. Everybody's sharing it. It's elevated. People are like getting, you know, a lot of value from it. So like 
with your hook, you could be talking to the pain side of it. So we, we just only went over half of it. So we just only hit half of it, all the bad or all the before state. You can do the same exact thing with the after state. Exactly. Exactly. So it could be like become a professional podcaster with this one tool. It could talk to the aspirational side. And the truth is what we want to do, I know like usually when I'm, I'm working on like an avatar for a customer, we have like, or for a client, we have like 41 point questionnaire that we go through. But this before and after grid to me is the place I'm most often getting my hooks. So for anybody listening right now, you can just do that. Go through those five before, five after, and just start pulling like as many hooks as you can from those sections. Wow. Okay. And, and just to let everyone know, um, Scott did go in depth with visuals and everything in one of the lessons in the course that we filmed. Those are on YouTube right now. And I will link to the whole collection of it, but I will link to that specific lesson as well. If that's, if you don't have a lot of time, that's all you have time for. I'll link to that as well. So you have it. Wow. I'm ready to go write some hooks, Scott. <laughs> it, it is fun. Once you have a framework and you know how to get started with the exercise, it becomes fun. I could tell you most times when I'm meeting with entrepreneurs, they're like, I don't know where to start. I'm intimidated by how to get start started, right? But now we're giving you a framework, go through the exercise and you will be just like Tony, excited to create hooks. I really am. Yeah, I'm not joking. I'm not just blowing smoke here. Um, okay, well, we're coming, up, we're coming up on an hour. Scott, I wanna ask, what is a question I haven't asked or a tip or strategy you haven't shared regarding this that you wanted to share before? That is like a really important thing to, for them to know before kind of going into the wild on this. Okay, so here's the thing with offer stacks, you don't change them that often on your website. Like you don't update your homepage and your product page with new offer stacks every week. You update them maybe month, like monthly at the most. Maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's twice a year, maybe it's yearly, right? Emails, you're gonna, you're gonna test out offer stacks more frequently. Yeah. But the place where you are testing them the most is with your ads. So what happens is like this five-part formula that I shared with you today, we want to come up with many omelets, many different versions of this five-part formula. So you want to brainstorm like 20 different hooks, 20 different functional attributes, brand attributes, influence, transaction. You want to like just do a brainstorming exercise, get all these thoughts out on paper. It's going to be a weight off your shoulders. It's going to be a relief. It's going to feel good. But with ads, that's when we start putting together different combinations of these ingredients. And we put like a little bit of a budget behind many different combinations. And that's when we start validating. And then when certain ones do well, but well, you like stop funding some of the experiments and put them more towards that, right? It's exactly it. And like, I could tell you right now, I, I always go through this exercise where I'm like, this is my winner. I know it. Like, I know that this offer stack is going to be the best <laughs> and it never is. I'm never going to take you to Vegas then. I'm never going to take you to the horse races either. <laughs> I, am, I am hosting the Shopify meetup there next month. <laughs> oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I take back what I said. Great. <laughs> awesome. But that's, that's the key is that we want to think outside the box. We don't want to just play it safe with, with what we've always done, with what we think works. We want to try new things. Yeah. And that makes sense too, because your future customers, the only places in on your website or on your email list are people that you've already connected with. So your ads are really the only places that people that you're going to find people in the wild that have never heard of you. So it makes sense that this is your test bed. And it's also like the place where you start validating the information that you put in your avatar, right? Because you're creating these hooks, you're finding out it's resonating and you're like, and yeah, that, you, you, you make assumptions and you're like, oh, I think that a 30 to 40 year olds and then you go run your ads and it's all Gen Z and you're like, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, what? And then you make a change. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. So I think that's just the takeaway is that that's where we're going to be testing different versions of the offer stack is mostly with ads. And then once we learn what works, hey, this works every single time. We're going to put that on our homepage. We're going to put that in our emails. We're going to put that everywhere. Perfect. Well, Scott, this has been an incredible, incredible episode. I, I learned so much and I know everybody listening learned a ton. I'm already looking forward to having you on again. Um, but uh, we have to, to end the show. I just wanted to say thank you for, for coming on. You're a real homie. And I'm so glad that we were able to record together today. Tony, uh, just have, always have so much fun in our conversation, genuinely, right? So if, yeah, if you want to do this again, you know I'm there. Awesome. I'll reach out. But if people uh, liked you as much as I do, where can they find you? Social, uh, LinkedIn, website, where, where are we looking? Yeah, pretty easy. Just my social media handle is Scott John Cunningham anywhere on social media. So Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, just all one word, Scott John Cunningham. You can also check out merchantmastery.io. 
one of our websites. I was going to say, yeah, if people are interested in kind of uh, reaching out to you for some dedicated help, merchantmastery.io is the place to go for that. We've got a pretty good training. You can find it right in the navigation bar, merchantmastery.io. You have a lot of free resources there too. So I, I've been there myself. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, Scott, thanks for coming on. Uh, everybody listening, thank you for listening to e-commerce marketing school. If you are listening to this podcast, you can actually watch it on YouTube on the Privy channel. It's just Privy. That's it. And you'd be able to see Scott and I. Scott has this beautiful background for his uh, video. That's just, uh, it's chef's kiss. It's great. Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. But if you want to see uh, e-commerce marketing school in the wild, you can find clips from this episode and all of our future episodes on Instagram at Ecom Marketing School. And if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Tony from the pod. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I will see you next time. Thanks, Scott. Thank you again.